it's 8.30 on, I think it's Monday night. Yeah, Monday night. September 24th. And um, I'm very tired, very tired. I've had a headache pretty much all day from sinuses or coffee. I haven't had any coffee today at all. Very unusual. And um, I've had to take four ibuprofen today, and I'm going to bed with a headache. Very odd, but it feels like it's in my sinuses. I've been sneezing and stuff. But um, I'm going to bed having just read the scripture, and um, I read the story of Isaac and Rebecca. I love that story. So, such a romantic, beautiful, godly story. And um, I think the Lord is testing my faith. <laughs> I have had to re- repent of anxious thoughts about, meaning, been thinking about her a lot and pretty feeling pretty anxious about meeting her. And I know the Lord doesn't want me to be anxious. He doesn't mind me being excited and anticipating good things coming. But I feel like I've been a little anxious, and uh, I've just kept going back to the Lord. But uh, today, I haven't heard back from her. She sent me an email on Sunday. Today's Monday. She sent me an email on Sunday about 2 o'clock in the afternoon, saying, Hey, uh, do you want to have coffee? Let me know when you want to have coffee. And I replied back at like 430 and um, I never heard back from her, not yesterday or today. And that was disappointing. Um, I tried not to let my enemy give me thoughts over what that means or what it doesn't mean in projection. And so I sense tonight that the Lord is building my faith. He's testing my faith. This happened with the divorce uh, and this happened with the justice thing and this has happened with, you know, when I was afraid for the kids with their mom and uh, God would tell me he was going to do something or show me that something was going to happen and then circumstances seem to completely contradict that. That's a new lesson I've been learning that whenever you begin to believe God for something, usually circumstances will show up to con- contradict. So hence we have the thing called the faith walk. But... um I think in the area of romance, it's probably not anything more difficult to be not anxious about than our love relationships or the relationships we pursue with people. This certainly is not a love relationship, but it's a pursuit. And uh, so I, um, I've been, you know, I've had some negative thoughts about it and wondered, hmm, you know, wonder if she prejudged some of my story or wondered if she just, you know saw some stuff she's not interested in, if she's maybe not a Christian. I've been concerned about that, very concerned that she's not a Christian. I keep hearing all these negative thoughts, so I keep just going, Lord, I I have faith. So I've ended the night saying to the Lord that I have faith in Him because I believe He brought her into my life, I think, for a reason. That night, I mean, I remember just being so moved by her and wanting to turn around and look at the blue moon. Incidentally, the night that I met her, it was the blue moon, August 31st, Friday night. I found that out today. But I was trying to think, when did I actually meet her? And um, I thought, oh my goodness, once in a blue moon, how funny is that? And so then I didn't see her again until 
the 21st. So 21 days, 21 divisible by 7, 3 times 7, 7, 7, in case you're wondering. <laughs> and uh, so I then had told the Lord for a couple of weeks, I'm like, Lord, if she ever comes across my path again, if you ever bring her across my path, Lord, I promise, I will say something to her. <sighs> and I'll know that maybe that's a door opening. And so it didn't happen for a couple of weeks. God's timing's perfect. And then on the night of the 21st, I went up and man, what an experience. <laughs> but now, of course, I'm having to stand in faith and listen to a bunch of yakety yak from the enemy telling me, ah, she ain't interested. Ah, she watched your video. She thinks you're a freak. She thinks you're a Christian freak show. You know, she thinks you're prideful. She thinks you're, you know, some business chasing success loving guy and uh so anyway i've been hearing that stuff and i'm like okay stop that in the name of jesus christ and i'm just trusting him so i just can't wait to see what's gonna happen i'm going to bed tonight totally fine and haven't heard anything from her and if i don't hear from her for a couple of days so be it i just can trust god no matter what if it ain't meant to be it won't meant to be so, there you have it. I've been in deep prayer for my brother this morning who is struggling in the area of uh, um, continuous sexual sin, in the area of pornography and masturbation. I, I really have just felt so burdened for my brother. I've been trying to encourage him and trying to speak the word and share devotions and the word with him. And he... Um, He's getting closer and closer to broke brokenness where he's repenting before the Lord and being sick and tired of sick and tired. And I just, this morning, I've been praying for him and asking the Father to give me understanding and insight. And I'm, I'm like, Lord, I still don't fully understand the mystery of the dynamic and the war that exists between the flesh and the spirit. And and I don't understand necessarily the the, the mystery of grace and mercy as, a, as it as it plays out in the life of a, um, as, as in Romans, he's talking about, you know, those who are dead to sin, count yourselves dead to sin. And uh, sin leads to death, the fleshly, or the spirit leads to life, and those who are born of the spirit no longer continue to sin, and because they've counted sin dead, and I'm like, well, so wait a second, he's saying, don't do the things you formerly did, which led to a path of death. And so I'm going, oh, wait a second, is he talking about once they've become Christians or after? And so I'm just, I mean, before, and I'm wondering how this whole thing plays out. I was asking the Lord, you know, how is it that we as Christians can continue in such, you know, um, flagrant sin? And I'm like, God, why is that possible? How is it that we're possible that we that we're a Christian and yet we're still shackled? You know, and, and so for this particular brother of mine, it's in the area of sexual purity. He's struggling big time. And for me, I think it was just pride. You know, I had this deep, deep insecurity. And so I was constantly worrying about what other people thought about me and constantly um, doing things based upon what other people thought and focused on trying to make myself appear to be successful I wasn't even always fully conscious of it it was still sin you know and um, bound up in folly and making bad decisions and all that and so uh, I've been trying to ask the Lord give me 
felt like the Spirit was saying, Michael, many great things will remain a mystery. All you have to do is trust. In other words, it was the idea that I don't have to know how the buildings fell when the people walked around the walls of Jericho seven times. I don't need to know how the spiritual forces of nature work to move part to sea. I just need to know that if I obey and trust, God will do. So, the thing that I'm, I feel like I'm hearing from God is, I don't need to figure everything out. God leaves a lot of these things a mystery, and that sometimes I get too involved in trying to understand the workings when it's just, it's, it, it's about going back to having childlike faith. Oh, praise God, there's a message. There's a message. When, when you ask a child to do something, or you tell them they can do something and they do it, they don't need to know, they don't, they don't need to figure it out, they don't want to sit down and dissect it unless they're going to be a scientist, maybe they, they do, but they just accept it, it's called childlike faith, and when I tell them that that sky is actually called blue, they don't say, well dad, how do you know that's blue, I mean, how do you know that's not red, they just accept it, it's childlike faith, and I think... Some of what God is trying to share with me is that many of the things in the kingdom of God are a matter of simply believing. That you don't need to understand and have all wisdom of all things. In fact, there's a scripture in the book of Apocrypha and in the Psalms that talk about not searching for things that are beyond your ability, that are beyond you. In other words, don't search out matters that are above your head. I, I, I have been struck by that a couple of times as, as I've read that. That's kind of opposite of the hunt for wisdom. And if you think about it, Paul even said the, the Jews are under the law, the Greeks search for wisdom. And he talks about, I preach Christ and Christ crucified alone. The power of the cross, the power of salvation, the power of faith in God, the power of believing. Interesting. I need to really meditate upon this. God is so good. I mean, He continues to just blow my mind with His faithfulness. I am just so in awe of my God. I am out walking this morning. First of all, I woke up this morning at about 5 o'clock. Walked by the clock and saw 515. This is a new number I've been seeing. I've been seeing numbers like crazy. 5.15. So this morning I sit down and I go through and I find three scriptures that it may be. And I'm like, God, I, I need you to confirm for me, you know, when there's a scripture that have a couple of them that have meanings, I need to know which one you're specifically saying to me. And I felt I knew which one it was. <clears throat> but I um, I just kind of went on and did my Bible study and now I'm out right, I'm out this morning walking and the Lord has, I just did a journal entry about this. So the Lord has put a huge burden on my heart this morning for my brother to be praying. And I was praying for him and I was asking God to help me understand why he's still battling with sin. And what is the deal? Why do some Christians just continue to be ensnared by the enemy like this over and over and over? And I was asking God to help me, give me insight. And if there was any part I needed to play to let me know. And I just began to pray that God would set him free, that God would convict him of his sin, that God would literally just bring him to a place of total repentance and freedom and that the Spirit of Christ would have his way. And, and so as I was walking along, I began um, really just praying for him. And then all of a sudden I came up to this assisted living building and there's a bus out front. And all of a sudden 
I see on there 515. And I'm like, oh, that's strange. I said, I think that's the number I saw this morning. So there's a number. And then all of a sudden, I'm like, I just kept on walking. And something said, nope, stop turning around and take a picture. Because I'm getting lazy about taking pictures of all the numbers. And I'm like, I need to take a picture of this. So I went back to take a picture. And then I opened up the scriptures that I found this morning. And I'm like, okay, which ones are they? And now I know. Listen to this. It's John, 1 John 5, 15. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of him. This is right in line with the number 1515 that God was showing me, which incidentally, 1515 is 515. How funny is that? It's got a 515 buried in the 1515. Same message. Verse 16 then says, If anyone sees his brother commit a sin that does not lead to death, he should pray and God will give him life. I refer to those whose sin does not lead to death. There is a sin that leads to death. I am not saying that he should pray about that. And I'm sitting here going, Oh, wow, Lord God, you are awesome. God just confirmed for me right there in that moment that it is 515 and it's on the very subject I've been talking about here. I'm praying for the release of my brother. Because I believe he's got a testimony. I believe he's got a testimony welling up inside of him that God is going to use to bring him much glory. So, there it is now, 515. I know what the Lord is saying. Praise the Lord. He's so faithful. Um, God, I think, is really, really continuing to build my faith um, in other areas. I remember, you know, seeing circumstances in the divorce uh, here in the last... 90 days that were just impossible that I knew there was just no way I'm going to be you know coming out on top on this uh, based upon the circumstances I've continued to believe God but the circumstances led me to believe otherwise I doubt it every once in a while and um, not very often I shouldn't say that because I really didn't doubt I really I had days where I'm like oh Lord I don't know how you're going to do this but I think my point is circumstances said what God said was not going to happen God said he would deliver me, and my circumstances said no. That seems to be the case with Miss And, uh, you know, I am, I'm, I've been feeling anxious about this. She's not returning my email anymore. And, uh, you know, that just seems highly odd. I mean, I would think that even if I was some sort of a bad person, and she maybe found out something that, you know, I had been in jail or was, you know, a child molester or something. I don't know. Maybe if I was that, she wouldn't reply. But it seems to me like even if she didn't think I was interesting at all, that she would at least send me a courtesy email saying, Hey, you know, listen, I've changed my mind. I'm sorry. Um, but I'm not getting any reply at all. And uh, I've sent her two emails now. I've sent her a reply to her first email asking if I wanted to have coffee. And um, never got a reply back. And then yesterday at 5 o'clock, I sent her another email saying, Hey, hope you didn't change your mind. And um, I've been, you know, obviously you concern yourself with it and you, you wrestle with it and you project and you begin to think about things that could be that maybe aren't. And so I just keep going back to laying it all down and not trying to project and just believing that God is at the helm. He's maybe testing my faith. It very well could be that she is the greatest thing that's ever happened in my life. It could be that she is the woman that I've been praying for. A godly woman. It could be that's her. And it could be that it's not her. She may say, Michael, I, I don't I despise church. I mean I don't have anything to do with it. But I I woke up this morning realizing that Isaac's servant asked for a sign. 
And he didn't ask for a sign. He projected a sign. He said, God, let it be that when a woman comes to the well and I ask her for a drink, she gives me a drink and then she offers to water my camels as well. Let that be the sign of your Lord's faithfulness to my master. And this morning I woke up thinking about if I ask God, does she know Jesus? And I said, Lord, could it be the sign that she says, he's my everything, or that she says, I, I not only know him, I love him. And I was just, I just woke up. It was kind of a foggy thought. I'm like, really, should I project that on the Lord? I mean, I don't know, but he's been doing so many things with signs in my life. I mean, we did meet on a blue moon, uh, Laura and I, on August 31st. And then for weeks I didn't see her and I looked for her and I just kept the faith and said, God, if, I, if she comes back across my path, then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to trust you for it. And I'm going to say something to her. And she did. And I did. And she was very gracious. And um, she just seems like an angel of a woman to me. She just seems so precious. And I'm so interested in her and learning more about her. And uh, so now I'm having to fight the doubt. that says, you know, she's changed her mind. She's not interested. Um, she read your video story and got freaked out by your, you know, you're so religious. <laughs> whatever which if that's the case that needs to be the case because as beautiful as she is I am not compromising with God's help I am not compromising at all not doing it not doing it I'm going to believe God for his very best for me he gave me his very best deliverance he has given me his very best love he has given me provision he's given me his very best knowledge of him and wisdom he continues to give me his very best and I'm not going to forget that and discount that in my relationship. I'm going to believe. I don't. Somehow or another, I don't believe I'm worthy to have a wonderful, beautiful, godly woman. I just I feel not worthy of that. And um, but yet I I know that God works through gifts and through grace. And I'm just going to continue to believe Him for it. So that's where I'm at now. I'm getting ready to do my Bible study and prayer time with the Lord. This is just a quick update. So today is uh, Wednesday, September 26th. It's 4.07 p.m. and I'm sitting down here on the Tennessee River. I've ridden my bike down here and it's just a it's a gorgeous afternoon. But while I've been here, God has taught me a lesson that I hope I don't soon forget. I've been I've been humbled. I just did a I just did a bomb and um, this is to me so far what God is showing me is that this is one of the problems of anxiousness. This is one of the problems of of being anxious. So on Friday, August 31st, I meet this, this just beautiful woman who I'm smitten with. And, um, I find excuses to look over my shoulder to look at the blue moon because it was the night of the blue moon to look at her. And, and, uh, I'm not smitten by hardly anybody. And this woman just, I mean, I was smitten by her. And at that evening I got to meet her and have just a few words with her and she just seemed to have the most delicate kind spirit and she seemed like she was such a just a sweetheart of a person and uh i left that night wanting to meet her and, and the opportunity didn't arise and then i spent you know quite a few times thinking about it and praying about you know god if i ever have an opportunity to meet her again you know i'll know that maybe it was meant to be and i'll introduce myself to her she was so beautiful. I felt like she was out of my league, and uh, I, you know, obviously didn't know if she was a Christian or not. But I suspected she probably was because that night her friend, 
that was with her was uh, taking her son to spend the night with her. And I assumed when that I heard that lady mention church, and I assumed if the girl I was interested in was um, letting her son stay over, and that lady was a Christian, that she most likely was too. I ended up meeting her again on the 21st this past Friday night. And I went up to her and I introduced myself at the end of the night and asked her if she'd be willing to have coffee with me. And she was so gracious, just so gracious and uh, just beautiful. And she said, yeah, and she smiled and she seemed so nice. And she, she emailed me on uh, Sunday at almost 2 o'clock in the afternoon saying, hey, it was, uh, I enjoyed seeing you again at Low Mill and let me know if you'd like to have coffee when you'd like to have coffee. And I replied back to her at like 4.30 that afternoon or what have you, and I never heard back from her. You know, the next day, I was like, so it's Monday. I hadn't heard back from her. And yesterday, I sent her another email saying, hey, I haven't ever heard back from you. I don't, I don't know what happened. I hope all is well. Um, it's too late to change your mind, you know, just kidding. Um, let me know. And I didn't hear anything, and so, of course, I started hearing things in my head. She's gone to your video. She's seen you're a Christian. She's seen you love God. She's seen you talk about, you know, all your crazy life. And so she's out, you know. And I've been going back and forth to the Lord about it and trying not to be anxious. Just like I did last week when uh, he got me about my children. Making me be, feel like my kids had been in a car accident or something when I hadn't heard from them in a couple of days. I started to panic. The same exact thing has happened here. When I become anxious and I get out of trust... Instead of just trusting God for the results no matter what, I start getting anxious. And so I sent her this email, this long email saying, Hey, I'm, you know, I still haven't heard from you and I, I'm just really confused. I, I don't know if this is a, you know, a dating playing hard to get game here or if you've seen my video and you've changed your mind. And I said, But, you know, I met you and I kind of re went over the story and I was smitten by you and you seemed so respectful. And I said, You know, I am, um, really just confused I you just do not strike me as the kind of person who would one minute say you want to have coffee and then days later wouldn't have replied to two emails and not hear anything back I was just so confused and god bless her heart she writes me this email hi Michael sorry I'm just now responding but I've had a lot going on this week my grandmother died on Monday, our dog disappeared yesterday, and my secretary of nine years had to be replaced. My lack of response has nothing to do with you, nor am I playing hard to get, and definitely not your belief in God. I've not had any extra time for coffee. I'm a little overwhelmed right now, and I need to focus on my family and work. I appreciate you sharing your thoughts, most of which was very nice. And I just felt like a, a worm. I'm like, oh my goodness. I at least did put in there, hey, look, I'm I'm feeling that you've been X feeling, but I really don't want to jump to conclusions knowing that it could be completely something else. And it turns out it was, but I just feel so horrible. I mean, I just feel horrible. So I have asked her to apologize. I have apologized to her. And I just said, please forgive me, and I'd love to have the opportunity to have coffee with you, to apologize to you. And I think now, um, I think I'm going to send her a card, and I think I'm going to send her that CD, Glory in the Healing, Healing in the Glory, and um, let that be a blessing to her. And uh, just totally take my hands off of it and trust that if she wants to call me back, she'll... I'll put my phone number in there. She knows how to get in touch with me. Um, 
But oh my goodness, do I feel bad. Do I feel bad. So, lesson learned. Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, submit your request to God, and the peace of God will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. But no... I did very well until today I'm like, I just can't, I couldn't stand it. I need to have more patience. Man, I need to have more patience. God forgive me, Lord. God forgive me. And I pray she forgives me too. So shortly after I just did the bomb email to Laura, and I feel like a worm, sent her an apology email, I noticed on my phone it was 414. And I'm like, okay, what was what scripture is that God showing me? And I just said, I had been sitting there feeling like a worm. I apologized to God and I apologized to her. And I realized it was me being anxious again, which has fallen out of trust in God. And I saw 414. I went and looked up the scripture and it's Hebrews 414, which ends by saying, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. And I feel like that's God saying, Michael, you told me a couple of days ago you trusted me with this relationship and that you trusted me with, you know, meeting and that just because she hadn't called you back, it's like a faith test. And I didn't, I, I failed it because I got anxious and reached out to her again when I should have just sat and waited or sent a little slightly different email. I should have just waited and trusted the Lord. Um, here I am professing that I believe in him. And I trust him, but then I took matters in my own hands and got anxious. So God's trying to remind me, hold fast to the faith I profess. It's 5-11 on September 26th, 2012. It's, uh, just got up this morning and woke up, actually I woke up at about 2-something, rolled over, saw the clock, and I was like, Oh Lord, God, help me go back to sleep, please. I've been thinking about evangelism and telling my story all night long. I've been waking up thinking about seeing myself on the cliff and uh, saying things. And I went back to sleep. I got up at about 4.45. And I wanted to journal what happened yesterday. Um, I, had a, I, had a, I had a really disappointing day yesterday. <laughs> a little bummed out. Goes to show you how much of a human I still am. <laughs> No matter how much Jesus you have, you always have that part of you that's human. And uh, I um, I struggled all day yesterday with the fact that Lord never reached back out to me. And I feel like I kind of had to, you know, get over the disappointment of that. And I had to work kind of hard to keep myself going. I kept checking my email throughout the day and kept thinking any minute I was going to see an email that says, Oh, I'm so sorry, Michael, you won't believe this. You know, my... Something was a matter, or I was out of town, or something, but I just, I'm perplexed because this woman just does not, she did not strike me at all. My discernment could have just been so off. I mean, it is possible that I was just so enamored by how beautiful she was. This is certainly possible that I didn't see that, but that was not the part of her that I was the most attracted to. I mean, there is a lot of pretty women in this world. I'm not attracted to somebody just because of how they look. My discernment is on the way a person carries themselves, on who the company is they keep, on how they're talking, on what they're drinking, on, I mean, how they smile, their disposition, everything. And I'm judging their character or attempting to assess their character. And 
I just don't see how I could have missed this bad with because she just seems so sweet and the humility and the kindness um, it just is so unbecoming of her to just not return um, my emails and I just so I just have been very confusing and I just keep going back to the Lord and I say Lord I'm sorry father I'm sorry for being so anxious about this I mean I was not looking for a woman I I, I was keeping my eyes open of course if somebody came across my path but Yesterday I saw my um, <clears throat> 84-year-old neighbor, her name is Miss Jenny, walking in front of our driveway. And bless her heart, she was walking with a real strong limp and she had her cane and she was headed to Naomi's house, another widow that lives on the other side of my mom and stepdad. And I walked out and I said, hello, Miss Jenny. I said, I said, are you okay? Do you need some help? And I walked out to the end of the driveway and I started to talk to her. And um, she looked so beautiful. She was all dressed up and... She was just really pretty. I mean, I just told her, I said, goodness gracious, you look so beautiful. Where are you going? And she was going to a volunteers meeting where her and the neighbor were being um, honored for volunteering. And she at one point said something about, she said, she said, your mother told me you're going to be helping out Whitesburg Baptist Church or something. And I said, you know, not, not Whitesburg Baptist. I said, not really any churches. I said, but... Um, I believe the Lord is calling me into full-time ministry. And I just basically kind of told her my little story. And I said, you know, I, I had everything. I chased everything that the world said meant success. And God allowed me to lose it all so that I could find Him. And now I have something with Him that I would never trade for anything. And I pointed up to the sky and I said, I just love Jesus so much. And she she grabbed her arms and she said, I have goosebumps and she said, you just gave me the goosebumps. And I said, oh, that's wonderful. And I said, well, I just love the Lord Jesus so much. And I want to tell people about him. And I said, I think the Lord's calling me into full-time ministry. And she said, you would make such an awesome minister. She said, I'm not just saying that. She said, you are awesome. And I just thought, man, what a blessing that was to have her say that. Well, this morning, I'm sitting here reading the Word, going through Ephesians. And a lot of times I'm interrupted I woke up in the middle of the night. I'm thinking about how I'm, pres- I'm, I'm seeing myself speak the Word of God, telling stories, um, telling about Jesus Christ, telling people what He's done in my life, seeing people come to the Lord, seeing people being strengthened to walk in relationship with Him, seeing me talk to people about the devil and about the world and helping people really get a grasp. And I wake up all night long and I'm thinking about these thoughts pretty much every night, the last couple of nights. And this morning, the same thing is happening while I'm reading the Word. I'll read the Word, but then I'm visualizing myself speaking. It's almost like I'm being interrupted, seeing myself speaking and sharing. And then um, I finished, and I had stopped, and I just began to pray. I, I was in my mind thinking, oh, God, you know, help me to know when and how to deliver this Word, and, and let me do it in an effective way, Lord, and, and let me not be afraid to fully tell. I read the last words that says, um, pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. It's Paul in the letter of Ephesians saying, "Prayer that I pray that I deliver the gospel of Jesus Christ um, boldly." And uh, I was just meditating upon that, and then I clicked down at my phone, and my phone, I noticed the time was six one six, and I was like, Lord. I don't remember what that scripture is. What is it? And it's Isaiah 61, 6 that says, And you will be called priests of the Lord, 
You will be named ministers of our God. You will feed on the wealth of nations, and in their riches you will boast. I'm like, wow. I told Larry a couple of days ago that I felt like the God was calling me into full-time ministry. I just told this lady yesterday, she got goosebumps and said she would be, um, that I would be an awesome minister. I feel for sure God's calling me towards that since the trip in Florida. When I went to Lighthouse Via de Cristo the second night there, a man woke up, had a dream, came to me and said, Michael, a dream, God told me you were going to become a preacher. God told me you, were become a, you would become a minister, I think, or a pastor. Something like that. I don't remember what he said. I don't see myself becoming a pastor, but certainly somebody that can minister to the Lord, minister to people. So, I just wanted to capture this. Today is the 26th of September, and I feel certain, and I can trust these numbers. I mean, God told me forever He was going to deliver me. God warns me every time with a 666, and I know that God can can show me if I've gone to the wrong scripture, but I feel like God has just told me that I am going to become a minister. This might be a very interesting story to tell one day. It is 8.17 in the morning on Thursday, September 27th, 2012. And um, I just wanted to capture a moment where I'm realizing how much the enemy is coming against me being able to finish this work. I realize I'm under um, heavy spiritual oppression the whole situation with, you know, seeing her and meeting her, it's most likely nothing more than a huge distraction away from what God is asking me to do. I mean, it certainly is possible I may meet her down the road or uh, that God did intersect our paths at that time for a reason. But it's also likely that since I don't have any other evidence to the contrary, that as anxious as I got in my heart about it, that it's just the enemy um, trying to distract me. I, rem- I also recognize the interesting timing of that very attractive blonde-headed woman that was basically googly-eyeing me on the night of the concert and literally just left the door wide open for me to walk over and introduce myself to her. And I knew it was a distraction, and I was already committed to meeting Laura, but I started recognizing, uh-huh, the enemy's using my weakness. He knows that I'm interested in having a, a woman. And um, I just, last night seeing the um, the scripture that God showed me, which was 8.11. Be sure to finish the work which you have begun so that your earnest, earnestness to do the work can only be trumped by you actually doing it. Something, I'm paraphrasing it, but I realized, oh my goodness, you know, the Lord's given me this work to do, this ministry, and I felt the urgency, and then all of a sudden the urgency went away because I started kind of, you know, messing around, thinking about and, and, you know, dating and all this kind of stuff. And I just realized there's just no way God can expect for me to have a dating relationship right now um, while I'm going through this, getting this ministry set up. It just takes too much time and energy. And your my thoughts will be consumed. I mean, because there is this point in a dating relationship where your every thought is to be consumed by that other person. That's part of the attachment process. And um, I just can't do that. I felt like for sure God was telling me, you get this ministry done, then we'll take care of that. We'll look at something for you, you know, in the way of uh, having a companion and a helpmate. But, um, man, my body is under attack by, by allergies. I just feel 
so tired. I've never been so tired in my life. I'm waking up in the mornings now wanting to go back to bed. It's ridiculous. And I'm having doubts about, well, who am I to teach anything? You messed up. You don't know anything. You know, um, you know, you you don't have things correct. You don't know enough to teach being teaching people. You've never been to seminary school. Da, 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 da. I mean, I'm hearing so many things. I know the enemy is trying. I know that I'm on the verge of um, something wonderful, that the Lord has called me to do this. And so I have to just be very careful. I can now see a lot of the scriptures that the Lord has been showing me. I mean, this is just incredible. God has been walking along with me, hand in hand, as I just read through a couple of the scriptures that God has been showing me in the last couple of weeks. Scriptures like, obviously, ask and it will be given to you, seek and you will knock, 7-7. Your words have supported those who stumbled. You have strengthened faltering knees. This is when God was showing me my part of my purpose. 15-15, uh, Mark eleven twelve. have faith in God. And this is where he tells the parable of, I tell you the truth, if you have enough faith to say to that mountain, jump in the sea and you don't believe. Isaiah 6, 61, 6, And you will be called priests of the Lord. You will be named ministers of our God. You will feed on the wealth of the nations and boast in it. John seventeen, John seven seventeen. If anyone chooses to do God's will, he will find out whether my teaching comes from God or whether I speak on my own. Um, he will put a new song in my mouth. Uh, Psalm 43, which was 818. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. That's a direct... Response to a question I asked the Lord about the ministry. Um, here, Leviticus 10.10, 10, you must distinguish between the holy and the common, between the unclean and the clean. John 5.15, and we know that He hears us. Whatever we ask, we know that we have what we ask for. Um, Hebrews 4.14, let us hold Firmly to the faith that we profess. I saw that right after I hung up the phone or hung up the email with, man, I'm having the hardest time talking. I've never been this tired in my entire life. I am wore out. Oh my goodness gracious, I'm wore out. Those who, 1 Timothy 3.13, those who have served well gain an excellent standing and great assurance in their faith uh, in Christ Jesus. And then Matthew seven eleven. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask? And then finally, Second Corinthians eight eleven. Now finish the work, so that your eager willingness to do it may be matched by your completion of it according to your means. God has given me this huge burden to help people. He's given me a huge desire to glorify Him. He's given me a huge burden to tell the story of what He's done in my life, and. Here I am at the precipice of doing it, and I can just feel the distraction of the enemy coming after me. He's trying to desperately keep me from doing this. In Jesus' name, it will not be the case. Jesus is going to help me. I'm going to set aside the dating thing. I don't need to date anybody or even look for a date until after I have this video done and this website is up. Period. in the story. I'm not going to let the devil distract me from God's work. The good Lord is looking out for me. Today and I, uh, I have had on my way to um, Starbucks today. I saw the six 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 for the first time in a long time. I'm like, uh oh, what is that? I get to Starbucks, um, I see eleven eleven. I'm like, wow, Lord, what's that? Well, that's the scripture, Luke eleven eleven. And which of you fathers, if his son asks for a fish, would give him a snake? 
So I'm realizing that's tied to women. Um, and I saw 666 twice more while I was at Starbucks. I was doing some math calculations in my work project and it came up twice. And I'm like, oh my goodness, what is it, Lord? About an hour later, this really attractive blonde-headed lady comes walking in. And I'd been noticing several women. This really attractive blonde-headed lady walked in. She was single and she was looking at me. And I turned around and was looking at her, you know, to see if she was walking out and just, you know, kind of in that moment. And uh, I, I walked away from Starbucks today realizing that the devil is all over me. He's trying to use women to distract me from the, the work that God has called me to do in this ministry. He's trying to get me busied and anxious and enticed by women. I'm single, I'm young, I'm healthy, um, and... You know, I see young, healthy, single women out there all the time. I'm usually not moved by them at all, but, um, you know, really kind of got me captivated and got me thinking, whoa, you know, and uh, I don't know if I'll ever see or not. I don't know if I'll ever have coffee with her or not, And but I'm waiting until, I'm going to wait at least a good couple of weeks, you know, before I entertain dating anybody else, but I'm caught in that place of, well, I am a single guy, I can date, but I also have work the Lord's called me to do. Then I noticed I saw 303 and 313, very inconspicuous, uh, very conspicuously, and um, 303 uh, is, um, that scripture is 2 Thessalonians 3.3, but the Lord is faithful and he will strengthen and protect you from the evil one, thank goodness, praise God for that. And then 313 is one of two, but it's most likely I see now Hebrews 3.13, which says, but encourage one another daily as long as it is called today so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. And I was just driving up the mountain thinking about how important it is for us to be in communion with each other and thinking a lot about each other because we need to be protected against sin's deceitfulness and from the constant attacks of the enemy. And here I am kind of alone. I'm coming under attack. So I'm just praying for God's grace to get me through this and pray that he does provide me one day with a beautiful woman inside and out so that I can take this whole thing off the table and I need not be bothered by it anymore. It's Saturday morning and I want to record that um, I'm feeling kind of yucky. I... um spiritually. I went to Low Mill again last night, and it seems like each time I go now, I come back not feeling so so great. I don't know what it is. It's like it gets on me. I don't know how to explain it. I'm, you know, hanging around with a bunch of people who don't care really anything about God at all. He doesn't come up in any conversation, and they're all heathens. They're all acting crazy, and, you know, without being rude, you kind of have to just kind of roll your eyes or parse your lips so that you look like you're kind of going along with their humor so that you're not totally um, just being rude to these people but uh, these these women and they're fun before they start drinking and then they, they drink a couple of glasses of wine and then they just start acting ridiculous and this one girl uh, she's a doctor of all things and she starts making all these sexual innuendos right in front of the guy that she's kind of dating and she's you know constantly staring at me and you know, just saying very inappropriate things. You want to lick me, don't you, Mike? You know, because this girl is putting some massage cream on her that smells so good. And I'm like, man, that stuff smells great. She's like, you want to lick me, don't you, Mike? Just saying real inappropriate things. And I'm just irritated by it. I'm just absolutely, this morning I wake up and I'm just irritated. And 
Um, I'm also irritated by this woman thing. I feel like ever since I met and then she kind of didn't have coffee with me, um, I felt like before I was fine. I mean, I may have noticed a couple women, but I wasn't like, is that her? Is that hers? Is this her? And now I feel like I'm back in that mode again where I'm noticing women. And it seems like more and more they're noticing me. And I'm frustrated by that. I, I feel like it's an attempt from the enemy to weaken my faith. I feel like it is a distraction. I feel like it is the number one thing. I don't have any interest in money. I don't have any interest in finances. I don't have any interest in being successful, quote, in the world's eyes. I don't have any interest in that kind of stuff. But I do desire to have a godly woman. I do want to have a helpmate. I do want to have a beautiful person inside and out that I can share my life with, my passion for God, who I can make love with, who I can get affection from, who I can give affection to, who I can just be soul partners, soulmates with. And I have that desire. And, you know, I feel like that thing with activated it. And now I'm back on again and I'm sitting at Starbucks noticing every woman and thinking, wow, should I go say something to her? And I'm like, what in I, what in the world is going on? Spiritual warfare. I saw 666 three times yesterday and 1111 reminding me, which of you fathers, if his son asks for a fish, will give him a, a snake? God telling me to hold fast to the faith that I profess. And in the meantime, I'm having to endure temptation, and I don't like it. I hate it the way it feels. It really bothers me. Um, it feels like it. It feels like it takes me away from my. Like I feel like a, a week of this could make me grow cold towards God, where I could forget about Him and 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 start to slowly push away and and not have that fire that I have. I'm starting to realize how no matter how high you think you are. No matter how godly you perceive your life to be, no matter how much time you've spent in the jail, if you are not careful, within a matter of days, you could be completely off course. You know, I now realize that the Lord is showing me this one particular scripture because of this very reason. It is bothering me so much to think that um, this is causing me to maybe back up a little bit, you know, to cause me a distraction. So there's this scripture in Hebrews 3.13 that God's been showing me that says, But encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. And I'm telling you, sin is delectably deceitful. And... I, um, I I feel it. And so this morning I'm going to spend my time getting close back to the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm sitting here going, Lord, as, as, as much as I know you, I don't know anybody that has a relationship with you like I personally do not know hardly anybody that has this intimacy with God. I'm saying to myself that I do with Him. And if I can feel myself because of women beginning to slip within just a matter of a week of... You know, being noticed by them or noticing them and being consumed in my thinking about a date and all that. I'm going, man, how much harder is it for people that are in the world every day? No wonder the Bible says to encourage each other daily and be very careful so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Wow.
I just finished my reading in the Old Testament, reading in Isaiah, and I flipped over into the New Testament and just so happened to land on page 1771, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, where it's the passage about do not be yoked with unbelievers. I found that very interesting because that's basically what I was feeling last night. Now, many people believe this do not be yoked refers only to marriage. I don't see where that's the case at all in this because it doesn't talk about marriage before it and it doesn't talk about marriage after it. The context is do not be yoked together with unbelievers for what does righteousness and wickedness have in common or what fellowship. You know, you're not having fellowship with your wife. That's, I mean, you can fellowship with your wife, but that's not what this is talking about. Fellowship was what I was having last night, where you're sitting around, you're talking, you're hanging around, your blankets are next to each other. Um, There's another passage that I contrasted this with where Paul says, expel the immoral brother from among you. He says, it's reported that there's a sexual immorality among you in your camp that's not even something the pagans do. Um, a man has his father's wife and you're proud should you have not uh, grieved and thrown this man out and uh, of your fellowship. And then he goes on to say, uh, I'm not telling you not to associate with those of the world who are sexually immoral, greedy, or swindlers, for then you would have to leave this world. I'm saying do not even, with a man who calls himself a brother and yet continues in these things, with such a man do not even eat. But the difference between associate and fellowship is very different. You associate with people you work with. You meet them at the water cooler. You're sitting next to them, you know, in your cubicle. You, you talk to them for a minute next to the coffee pot after work or whatever. A fellowship is much more close. Fellowship is much more intimate. It's, a, a, it's choosing to be together versus just happen to be associating together. What fellowship can light have with darkness? What harmony is there between Christ and Belial? What does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? And I really feel like God is convicting me. It says here, Therefore come out from them and be separate, says the Lord. Touch no unclean thing and I will receive you. I will be a father to you and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Since we have these promises, dear friends, let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. Well, that's exactly what I set and started my message with this morning, was that I feel like I'm contaminated. I feel like every time I go to Low Mill, I come back and I have something on me. I can't explain it, and now there it is. There's the word right there. I'm having this revelation. It's a contamination. When you, no matter how godly you are, if you associate with people that are walking in darkness and talking the nasty stuff they were talking and just, you know, the wickedness... You're going to get some of it on you. Let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit, perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. Wow, big, big lesson. I think I'm just not supposed to fellowship with those people at all. If I run into a non-believer at at Starbucks and I have a conversation, that's totally different than with the intentional desire to fellowship with people. And I did not intend this to happen. It just so happens that my parents kind of know these people and one of my clients know them and now all of a sudden we've all started sitting together every Friday night and I come home every Friday night feeling like I got something on me. Very interesting.